بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم We begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We ask him the Almighty, the Lord of all worlds, the exalted, the majestic to send his choicest of blessings and salutations upon the final messenger a beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam his family members, his companions and all those who tread upon his path with utmost sincerity until the day of Qiyamah. My dear respected elders and brothers in Islam, first and foremost, I enjoin upon myself and then all of you all who have gathered here to bring in a life of taqwa and that is to be conscious of your maker. And you do this if you wish to attain victory and success in this world as well as the next. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all from the people of taqwa and may he make us from the victorious and successful ones. Ameen. We are in the month of Shawwal, the first few days of the month of Shawwal. We have bid farewell to the beautiful month of Ramadan, the noble month of Ramadan, a season full of opportunities, a season of goodness, a season of barakat, a season of khairat, a season of the mercy of Allah, a season of the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That month has come to an end. The month of mercy has come to an end. The month of the Quran has come to an end. The month of the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has come to an end. But has the forgiveness of Allah come to an end? Has the mercy of Allah come to an end? Has the barakat of Allah come to an end? Nay, not at all. Inna rahmati wasi'at kulla shay, as Allah says, indeed the rahmah, the mercy of Allah encompasses over everything. I've been mentioning this in the past few days. And it is worthy to remind ourselves again and again and again, as we, as we have bid farewell to the month of Ramadan. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal rahimahullah, was once asked about an individual or individuals who during the month of Ramadan, they indulge in a lot of good deeds. They indulge in a lot of good deeds. But no sooner the month of Ramadan passes by, they give up those good deeds. They give up those good deeds. So say for example, if it is the Quran, the Quran goes back to gathering dust on the shelf. If it is uh, Salah, during the month of Ramadan, they were very careful about their Salah, so much to the extent that they knew the Adhan for Salatul Maghrib by the millisecond. By the millisecond, we all knew the Adhan, the time for the Adhan for Salatul Maghrib by the millisecond. But after the month of Ramadan, we become heedless about the Salawat. We start to ignore the Salawat. So Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal was asked about an individual of this nature or such individuals. And he goes on to say, May Allah forbid, those are Ubadu Ramadan. They are the slaves of the month of Ramadan. They are not the slaves of Allah. Why? Because Ramadan comes and Ramadan goes. But has Allah gone anywhere? Is Allah missing? Allah is there. So if you are a slave of Allah, if you are a servant of Allah, then your good deeds have to continue. Yes, you can use the month of Ramadan to spiritually uplift yourself. You can use it as a stepping stone to enhance your spirituality, to increase your good deeds. You can capitalize on the season to do more good deeds. But after the month of Ramadan goes past, you should not give up on the good deeds, especially the obligations, especially the obligations. For Allah loves istiqamah, steadfastness. So now that we are after the month of Ramadan, what should we do? My dear brothers in Islam, hold on to your salah. 
hold on to the good deeds that you performed during the month of Ramadan. Hold on to the reading of the Quran. Hold on to the studying of the Quran. Hold on to the charity that you gave during the month of Ramadan. These are all important pillars of the deen. Salah is a pillar of the deen. Fasting is a pillar of the deen. You can continue to fast. Fasting the sixth fast of Shawwal. Fasting the Sunnah fast during a month. Fasting during Ayyamul Bid, the white nights. You can keep on living up to these sunnahs, living up to these obligations even after the month of Ramadan. You can give out your sadaqat. There are some of you who would have given out your zakah during the month of Ramadan. Because perhaps you have concluded your zakat anniversary to be during the month of Ramadan. Well and good to capitalize on the season and to inshallah expect more rewards from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But some of you may have given it partially. Or some of you might be thinking to give it after Ramadan. Don't fall short. Because these are all pillars of the deen. And especially when it comes to zakat. I've been highlighting on this during the last few days of the month of Ramadan. I've been reminding myself and everyone gathering for the reminders. To not fall short with regards to zakat. Zakat is from the pillars of the deen. The Prophet ﷺ is reported to have said, that Islam has been built or founded upon five, i.e. five pillars. And the Prophet went on to mention the five pillars of the deen. You have the shahada, the testimonies of faith, to bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship other than Allah, and that Muhammad ﷺ is his messenger. Please remember salawat whenever I mention his beautiful name, ﷺ. Pillar number two is to establish prayer, as-salah. Pillar number three is the third pillar from the deen, is az-zakah. You know in the Quran, more than, in more than 80 places, Allah has paired salah with zakat. Allah has paired salah with zakat to highlight the importance of zakat with salah. Allah says, salah. Allah says to establish prayer and then add to zakat, give out zakat. Ibn Abbas uh, is reported to have said that there are three pairings. Listen attentively. There are three pairings in the Quran. And these three pairings, they go hand in hand and one cannot do without the other. The first being, Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu ati'ullaha wa ati'ur rasul. Obey Allah and obey the messenger. This pairing goes hand in hand. One cannot claim to say, I obey Allah, but I don't obey the messenger. It doesn't work that way. One cannot say, I obey the messenger, but I don't obey Allah. No, if you obey Allah, you have to obey the messenger. If you obey the messenger, you have to obey Allah. Pairing number two is with regards to the worship of Allah and your parents. Allahu Akbar. Birrul walidain. Allah says, Anishkur li wali walidaik. Render gratitude unto me, Allah says, unto him and your parents. So this goes hand in hand. One cannot claim to say, I worship Allah, but my relationship with my father is sour. One cannot claim to say, I worship Allah, but my relationship with my mother is sour. It doesn't work that way, my dear brothers in Islam. And there is no point. If your relationship with your father is sour, there is no point in you prostrating, prostration after prostration, sadaqa upon sadaqa. Why? Because you have fallen short with regards to a huge fundamental. You see the pillars. There are a number of pillars inside this hall. One, two, three, four, five, mashallah. You have five pillars inside here. So. so if any of these pillars were to be compromised, 
what would happen? Allah forbid the structure comes crashing down. Why? Because the pillars are of utmost importance to a structure. So you can't compromise on the pillars. You can compromise on the, the frills, the decorations if you will. Maybe you can remove a few lights, remove a few fans if you want to. But you cannot compromise on the pillars. So like I was saying, if your relationship with your parents is sour, you have to mend it right away. Right away, because these two things go hand in hand. Like I said, one cannot claim to say I worship Allah, but my relationship with my father, I don't speak to my father. I don't speak to my mother. May Allah protect us all. May Allah help us to fulfill our rights with regards to our parents. To treat them with excellence upon excellence. The third pairing is what I just mentioned at the inception, salah and zakah. In more than 80 places. One cannot claim to say I worship Allah, I pray. But then you're falling short with regards to your zakah. May Allah protect us all. You see, when you take the concept of zakah, zakah is an Arabic term. It can be basically meanings of purification, meanings of abundance, meanings of growth are all suited upon the term zakah. Purification, abundance, growth. Let's focus on these three things. Now at this juncture, especially when... All of us, the entire country is going through financial instability. We sincerely pray that Allah eases the affairs of the country and that Allah brings about financial stability. I mean, at a time like this, it might seem counterintuitive. It might seem illogical to you. How am I going to experience growth when I give out? Yes, I'm supposed to, in a very simple way, give out 2.5%, let's say. But now by giving out this 2.5%, do I not, because someone could pose the question, do I not become 2.5% poorer? Am I not having 2.5% less? How is it going to bring in growth? How is it going to bring in abundance? My dear brother, it is applicable for all times, but especially at a time like this, especially at a time during financial instability, especially at a time of difficulty, trials, challenges and difficulties, if you fulfill the obligation of Allah, and if we all fulfill the obligation of Allah, you are naturally and automatically going to attract the help of Allah. You're going to attract prosperity. You're going to attract abundance in your life and the life of everyone, subhanAllah. Because we will see in just a bit that by refraining from fulfilling the obligation, even the, even the rain is withheld from the heavens. May Allah protect us all. Even the rain. So even though it may seem counterintuitive, counterintuitive and seemingly lowering your possessions in terms of barakah, in terms of the help of Allah, in terms of doors opening up, in terms of unimaginable help from Allah, these cannot be quantified. These cannot be measured. The help of Allah will come from many, many sources by you giving out your zakah. You will start to see growth. And mark my words, mark my words, no one has become poorer by giving. The more you give, the more Allah gives. When Allah sees you being generous, Allah wants to show you His generosity. When you are generous, Allah shows His generosity. And can you compete with the generosity of Allah? Can you compete with the generosity of Allah? What are your coffers? What are your net worth? What are your bank balances in comparison to the coffers of Allah? In comparison to the treasures of Allah, if Allah decides to open, there is no stopping, my dear brothers. There's no stopping. So having faith in Him, especially during times when everything is bleak, 
You can't see the light the, at the end of the tunnel. But you go ahead and you fulfill the obligation. You give out. And you will see that help from Allah many fold in return in this world as well as the next. Purification. Allah says in the Quran, خُذْ مِنْ أَمْوَالِهِمْ صَدَقَةً تُطَهِّرُهُمْ وَتُزَكِّيهِمْ بِهَا O Messenger, take from them uh, uh, charity from their wealth so that it purifies them. This zakah purifies your sources of income. This zakah purifies your assets. This zakah purifies your wealth. What is the point of having a fountain, but the fountain is spitting out dirty water? You need to purify it. Now, when your sources of income are purified, there's going to be pure water gushing out, pure sources of, sources of income coming out by the help of Allah. And similarly, my dear brothers in Islam, you have to bear in mind that when you fall short, and this is where it gets serious. And now I have to adopt a serious tone. When it comes to our businesses, we are very accurate in terms of bookkeeping, in terms of our accounts. Do we do it vaguely? Huh? If you have a good business running, do you do it vaguely? Do you tell your accountant, you know what, don't, don't work too hard. It doesn't have to be precise. Just do the accounts in a vague way. I really don't need to know exactly how much of profit I'm having. I don't need to know exactly how much of loss I'm incurring. I don't need to know where I'm bleeding. No, it's fine. Just do a vague accounts. Would we be satisfied with that or would we not want the accountant to go deep and be precise with the accounting, with the bookkeeping? We want precise accounting, precise bookkeeping to know exactly how much of profit we have earned this year or this quarter. How much of loss have we incurred? Where are we bleeding? What are the unnecessary expenses, etc., etc.? Then why? Oh, why? When it comes to zakah, do we do this vague thing? Vaguely calculate the zakah. And, and resulting in you falling short most of the time. Just as how when it comes to your business, you reach out to experts, you reach out to accountants, you reach out to advisors, tax advisors, legal advisors, to get the best advice when it comes to zakah. Why are you not reaching out to the scholars of the deen? Why do you think that you have the knowledge to arrive at the calculations? Do you know that zakah is a specified amount from specified categories of wealth that needs to be given out in a specified way to specified recipients. It's very, very specific. You can't be vague and ambiguous with it. It's a specified amount upon specified categories and classes of wealth upon specified individuals. Not everybody has to give out zakah. You have to meet the threshold of zakah and then you give out zakah because in the community you have some who are payers of zakat, you have some who are recipients of zakat. Not everybody has to give out zakat. Upon certain categories of wealth, if you have vehicles, are you supposed to give your zakat on vehicles or not? Perhaps you have hedged your money and bought vehicles, then are you supposed to give out zakat? You're wearing or you've got expensive watches that you've invested in, are you supposed to give out zakat? You've got multiple properties, are you supposed to give out zakat? Are you supposed to give out zakat on gold and silver, on jewelry? There are so many questions, so many areas. And again, when reaching out to the scholars, my dear brothers in Islam, don't just call up a scholar and again ask the scholar vaguely. Many a time people do call, people do reach out, but it's not appropriate. They reach out, now I'm asking you, with regards to your dunya, with regards to your company, would you just randomly pick up the phone? 
call up some advisor, some accountant and say, hey, look, I just need some advice here. Now, you would do so if this advisor, if this accountant has good history about your company, about your business, then you can do that. But out of the blue, can you call someone and say, I just need some advice. Can you help me with some calculations? Would they be able to do it without context, without history? Similarly, the scholars are not able to help if you're not going to be transparent and open. You need to come clean, be transparent, open with everything, and then ask your specific questions. Then they're going to be able to give you specific answers and help you to discharge your obligation. So don't be vague. Be specific with your zakat. Now as for those who are falling short, Allah mentions in the Quran, وَالَّذِينَ يَكْنِزُونَ الذَّهَبَ وَالْفِضَّةِ وَلَا يُنْفِقُونَهَا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ فَبَشِّرْهُمْ بِعَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ Those who hoard their gold and silver and they do not give it out for the sake of Allah, then tell them about a painful punishment. يَوْمَ يُحْمَا عَلَيْهَا فِي نَارِ جَهَنَّمْ فَتُقْوَى بِهَا جِبَاهُهُمْ وَجُنُوبُهُمْ وَظُهُورُهُمْ On that day, on the day of Qiyamah, that wealth will be melted. It will be heated in the fire of Jahannam. And their bodies, their flanks, their sides, their foreheads will be branded with that wealth, with that money. And it will be said, هَذَا مَا كَنَزْتُمْ لِأَنفُسِكُمْ فَذُوكُوا مَا كُنْتُمْ تَكْنِزُونَ This is what you hoarded for yourselves. Now taste what you used to hoard. And kanz is basically whatever is hoarded without giving out zakat. The Prophet ﷺ hadith is in the book of Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, is reported to have said, that man atahu Allahu malan, whoever Allah gives wealth. Now this is something that you have to reflect on. It is not your wealth. It is not through your talent that you have acquired what you have acquired. It is Allah, the owner of the wealth, who has given you. So man atahu Allahu malan, the one whom Allah gives wealth and he does not pay the zakat of his wealth. Then on the day of Qiyamah, that wealth will be made into a bald-headed poisonous snake with two black spots over the eyes and the snake will encircle the neck of this individual and bite his face and say ana maluk ana kanzuk i am your wealth i am your money i am your wealth on the day of qiyamah my dear brothers in islam so as you can see it will work against us unfortunately if we do not fulfill the obligations with regards to zakat the prophet ﷺ is reported to have questioned the sahaba once which one of you would like to own the wealth of the inheritors of your inheritors all of them said no ya rasulullah we would not like to own the wealth of your inheritors i want you to reflect on this deep question of the prophet which one of you would like to own the wealth of your inheritors all said ya rasulullah we would not like to own the wealth of our inheritors then the Prophet went on to say, whatever you own now is the wealth of your inheritors, except for that which you have sent forward. Allahu Akbar. Whatever you own now, just think of it. If you die today, what happens to that wealth? Ownership immediately transfers, immediately, from you to them. From you to them. So what do you really own then? As per the words of your messenger, what you have sent forward, what you have given out. What you have spent for the sake of Allah, now that you will see it when you stand in the court of Allah. And this is why, my dear brothers in Islam, the Sahaba, they were so generous. Aisha, our mother Aisha, radiallahu anha, she was once gifted with some meat, a lamb. And you know, subhanAllah, she's a very, very generous individual. She immediately gives away everything, all of the meat, except for one shank 
she keeps the shank of the lamb because the prophet used to like the shank. She kept the shank for, for the prophet. Now the prophet hears about this gift and in the evening when he came to Aisha radiallahu anha, he asks her, Ya Aisha, what about this gift? She says, Ya Rasulullah, nothing remains except for the shank. In other words, I've given away everything except for the shank. To which she responds, to which the Prophet tells Aisha radiallahu anha, No Ya Aisha. What did she say? She said, nothing remains except for the shank. He tells her, no, ya Aisha. Everything remains except for the shank. Look at the words of the Prophet. Everything remains except for the shank. In other words, everything that you gave as sadaqah, that remains because we will see it in the, in the court of Allah. But what you kept behind for us, the shank that we are going to eat, that is gone. That is gone. So everything remains except for the shank. My dear brothers in Islam, you have to understand that the zakah that is in your wealth, it is a right that needs to be given out and it does not belong to you, it belongs to the poor. It belongs to the poor. Let's say you have in total 200 million. You've calculated your zakah. I'm just giving you a very basic calculation and your zakat is 5 million. This 5 million does not belong to you. The five million belongs to the poor. It belongs to the poor. It is their haq and it needs to go out. The Sahaba, the reporter have said in a community, if every individual gives out their zakah proper, properly, and when we say properly, we mean calculations done properly, given out properly and given to the right people, there won't be poor people in that community. Allahu Akbar. This is the power of the instrument of zakat. But today, in today's world, based on 2018 statistics, more than 800 million people are hungry. So are we not falling short? O payers of zakat, O payers of zakat, are we not falling short? We are falling short with regards to our zakat. Like I said, we're calculating it randomly and we're just giving it out. It needs to go to the right hands, zakat eligible recipients. Only when it goes to right hands, you have fulfilled your obligation of zakat. If it is given out properly, there won't be poor people, subhanAllah. This is the power, this is the transformative power of zakat. We said purification. Do you know that it purifies your wealth? It purifies the hearts of the rich and it purifies the hearts of the poor. Now we understand the purification with regards to wealth. I just touched on it. Purifying your heart. You see the rich, as you become richer, you become more and more attached to your wealth. More and more attached. And this is why the Prophet ﷺ is reported to have said, Ta'isa Abdul Dinar wa Rahim. Cursed is the one who is a slave to the dinar, slave to the dirham, and to, in today's context, slave to the dollar, slave to the rupee. I, I don't know how many people would want to be slaves to the rupee because it's depreciating. Slave to crypto, perhaps. Slave to the Bitcoin, slave to Ethereum. Slave to this and slave to that. Cursed are them. Why? Because they're so attached to their wealth. By giving out your zakah, you're purifying this heart of yours. This attachment is being removed. And not only attachment, some of us even worship the money. Money is a god now. We say, La ilaha illallah. And you say that you don't associate partners unto Allah, but money is everything for you. Money is everything for you. Now you're worshipping that money. 
Money has taken, money has become a statue, an idol in your heart. So now by giving out, you're showing money that you know what? I couldn't care less. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And similarly, it purifies the hearts of the poor. How you might wonder. Let me give you one example. Let's say you have a neighbor who is poor, who is finding it difficult. And subhanallah, you know, I was just saying, 800 million people hungry, right? You don't have to go to hard up countries to witness this. You know, throughout the month of Ramadan, we have been busy identifying zakat eligible recipients through our projects. And you won't believe because of the hike in the cost of living, the people are in so much of difficulty. You know, people we have gone in to help, some of them have come and said that we were independent people and we never expected to come like this to accept food. But here we are, situation is so difficult. There was one widow we met, I, I mentioned this the other day as well, in another place. Since the last lockdown, she and her children have had no meat. Let that, let that go in, we are all in a bubble, you know. Think of it when you go today, when you and I, I'm myself included, when we go to buy meat, we cannot do without a variety. We want beef, and when it comes to beef, specific cuts, filet, and sirloin, and tenderloin, chicken, seafood, you can't just suffice with one type of seafood. You want tuna, you want sear, you want shrimp, you want crabs, cuttlefish, and across the week, you've got this menu set up at home. Some of us have two refrigerators, three refrigerators, and even chests, these, what do you call those? Chest freezers. And enough meat, pantries are stocked up, larders are stocked up. But there are people in our own country who have had no meat since last lockdown. So don't you think we have a responsibility to discharge and fulfill? And yes, I know a lot of people say it's difficult for us to go out and identify these people. Then reach out to organizations that are involved with this work. Reach out to scholars who are involved with this work. Reach out to masajid that are involved with this work. Join hands with them. Give your zakat to them. This was what happened during the time of the Prophet. They gave it to the Prophet and the Prophet gave it to the right people. So if you are finding it difficult to find eligible recipients, reach out to people who are on the field doing this work and they'll do it for you. And no sooner you give the zakat to such people, you have fulfilled your obligation. Remember, it's so much easy this way. You have fulfilled your obligation and now it is upon their shoulders to give it to zakat eligible recipients and then the two of you share in on the reward inshallah ta'ala. My dear brothers in Islam, when you give the hearts of the poor are purified. You have a neighbor who is poor looking at you, oh, this person has a big house. Power goes, the hum of the generator can be heard. The roller shutter opens up, vehicles parked. Eid comes about, fancy clothes. There's money everywhere. So the poor, their hearts, they find it very difficult. There's a lot of turmoil, a lot of chaos. Just imagine when the cost of living has risen so high. Now at this juncture, when you come out and give your sadaqah, when you're generous with them, their hearts, despite the difficulty, their hearts soften towards you and they make dua for you. But if you don't give, there's envy, there's jealousy, so much of toxic energy towards you. Do you want that, my dear brother? Or rather when you give, now they make dua for you. May Allah give this person more. May Allah open doors of barakah for this individual. 
And this is how the hearts of the poor are softened, my dear brothers in Islam, through you giving out your zakat. The Prophet is reported to have said, even when you make broth at home, gravy, put a little more water and ensure that you give your neighbor a share of the gravy, then subhanallah, think of the responsibility when it comes to sadaqat, charity and, and zakat. I'm going to mention one incident and then conclude. I mentioned this even last week, but I want to remind myself and then all of you all because it's a very powerful incident, especially given this instability that we are in. This incident is mentioned in the tafsir of Imam, uh, Imam Al-Qurtubi. During the time of Musa, wasalam, there was famine and drought, a lot of difficulty. I think for the past 10 days, this is the third time I'm mentioning this, but I want to mention it because I, I need to drive this point home very strongly. There was drought, a lot of difficulty, no rain, no food, no crops. And I want you all to put yourselves in their shoes. Are we not in the same financial instability? You go to the supermarkets, no, no, nothing on the shelves, no food. Everybody's finding it difficult, right? Financial instability. Our, our reserves are, are, are running at an all-time low. So we're in a lot of difficulty. So they were in so much of difficulty. They go to Musa and say, Ya Musa, pray for us. And before I go forward, this is because of the responsibility of knowledge upon my shoulders. This incident is from the Israeliyat. It is from the Israelite tradition. So you can't use it as evidence. Right? Like you wouldn't look at this incident the same as you would a hadith from Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim. But there is no harm, as per the teachings of the Prophet, there is no harm in deducing inspiration and lessons from Israelite traditions. So quickly. They go to Musa and they say, Ya Musa, pray, pray for us. We are in a lot of difficulty. Then Musa decides to gather the people and pray unto Allah. You know, we have Salatul Istisqa where you pray unto Allah for rain. So everyone is gathered. Everyone is gathered and now they are weeping and lamenting unto Allah. You know like how we wept and lamented during the last 10 nights, during Qiyam, during Witr, asking Allah for forgiveness, asking Allah for a change of condition. They are crying and they are weeping and they are lamenting unto Allah. My dear brothers in Islam, their throats are parched. The earth is scorched. But the heavens are clear, not one dark cloud in sight. They are crying unto Allah. Then Musa wasalam, cries unto Allah and Musa wasalam, is addressed. Allah says, O oh Musa, the rain is being withheld. And I want you all to focus on this. The rain is being withheld because there is one individual in the gathering. And this individual has disobeyed me for 40 consecutive years. For 40 years, this individual has disobeyed me. And the rain is being withheld because of this individual. Allahu Akbar. Now Musa والسلام, he comes out and let's say it's a gathering like this, he addresses. Allah has told me that there is an individual in the gathering. For 40 years he has disobeyed Allah and it is because of that individual the rain is being withheld. My dear brothers in Islam, touch your hearts. We all know that we have gone wrong in so many ways. We have slipped, we have drifted, we all have skeletons in our closets. We should turn to Allah in sincere tawbah. We should beg him for his forgiveness. He is ghafoor, he is rahim, he will forgive. The minute Musa والسلام, announces this, this man is dejected, he's weeping and he's crying now. Think of it, my dear brothers in Islam, if our sins were to be exposed, if Allah were to expose our sins, would we be able to sit confidently amid society? Would we be able to walk with the people? SubhanAllah. If our sins were to be exposed, 
This man now starts to weep and he cries. And at this juncture, there is this sincere prayer from his heart. Ya Allah, I know I have disobeyed your commandments for 40 consecutive years. Ya Allah, at this point I pray, forgive me, Ya Allah, forgive me, please forgive me. He begs unto Allah. As this heartfelt, heart-rending prayer is coming out of the heart of this individual, my dear brothers in Islam, it starts to pour and the rain falls from the heavens. Musa is astounded, he's perplexed, he looks up to the heavens and he cries out, Ya Allah, what is the meaning of this? I was told that because of an individual who has disobeyed you for 40 years, the rain has been, is being withheld. But how come it is raining now? And then Musa was addressed, Oh Musa, for the very same individual that the rain was being withheld, now the heavens have been opened for that individual. Allahu Because of the sincere tawbah of that individual, now the heavens have been opened. Musa cries out, Ya Allah, give me the opportunity to meet this individual. I want to know who this individual is. My dear brothers in Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O Musa, when this individual disobeyed me for 40 years, I did not expose him. I did not humiliate him. Do you think now that he has turned to me, I have forgiven him of his sins. I've granted him a brand new slate. Do you think at this point I will expose him? Do you think I will humiliate him? No, his identity is hidden. Allah this is the mercy of Allah. You know, during the last 10 nights, we made dua, Allahumma sturna fawqal ard. Allahumma sturna tahtal ard. Allahumma sturna yawm al ard. Oh Allah, cover us and conceal us over the dunya, below the dunya in the grave and on the day of Qiyamah. My dear brothers in Islam, therefore, as you can see, by discharging your obligations, by giving out your zakah, by giving out your sadaqah, by turning to Allah in tawbah, the condition of a people will be changed. We want change. We want the help from Allah. We want financial stability. We want the help of Allah. We want our condition to be changed. So we need to change, my dear brothers in Islam. Let us get closer to Allah. Let us fulfill our obligations. By falling short with regards to our obligations, we cannot expect the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So with that I conclude, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help each and every one of us to discharge and fulfill our obligations. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us all to become closer to Him. And we sincerely pray, Ya Allah, we pray for our country, we pray for our countrymen, we pray that Allah eases our affairs, we pray, Ya Allah, open doors of financial stability, open doors of security, open doors of justice, open doors of peace for all of us, ease our affairs. Ease the affairs of our country. Ease the affairs of everyone suffering. Heal the broken hearts. Heal the broken lives. And help us to change. Help us to mend our ways. Help us to become closer to you. And just as how you united us here in this masjid, unite us in the beautiful and lofty gardens of Jannah with our beloved Prophet Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Ameen, ameen. Wa akhir da'wai. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.